If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires it upfield, caught over the middle, Michael Pittman Jr., there he goes! He's at the 40, he's at the 30, slips out of a tackle, 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Michael Pittman Jr. takes it 75 yards to the house! Big run, angling left, 40, he's at the 30, down the near sideline, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Jonathan Taylor, a 49-yard gallop to Peter. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Welcome into the official Colts podcast. I'm Jeffrey Gorman. J.J. Stankovitz is here. Lara Overton is here. Week in and week out bringing you the best coverage. We were just talking about this before. It's like if there is a, not a low point, but like the lowest part of the basement of an NFL season, this would be kind of the week that it is because – we're one week out of uh, the Super Bowl, and we're one week in front of the Combine. It's kind of like NFL purgatory. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're just waiting for the next level of things, yes. right? Like yes. you're in between major events. And so many questions that, that are coming up. So many, But I want to start off of the football field for a minute. What happens, I'm going to start with J.J. Stankovic, because I can't wait till your topic comes up, Hello, What starts in 36 days? JJ. The MLB season. Okay, and with that being said, two-part question, need two answers. A, who wins the most valuable player this year? This is way preseason. And who is taking home the hardware? I mean, the MVP and the World Series champion. How can you, like, you probably can't go against the Dodgers. Right. I mean, Otani just hit his first swing as a Dodger and VP. He hit one out of the park. Took one out, took one deep. They got that uh, Yamamoto guy. So, yeah, Yeah. the Dodgers is easy call, but... You know, let, let's have a little fun here. Uh, have a kind of an off-the-wall call. I want to see the Seattle Mariners win it. Seattle. I want to see Julio Rodriguez ascend to some good superstardom. Player. Good player. Uh, real good player. And uh, MVP. How about Julio Rodriguez? Oh, nice. Okay. And by the way, I just want everyone to know that I didn't know what direction you were going with this. Of course. When you said 36 days, I'm like, yep, that's MLB yeah, opening that's day. Yeah, you're a baseball nerd. I am, Are you yeah. playing fantasy baseball? I do. Of course. How, I, many, I, how many leagues? Uh, one league, okay. but it's a uh, league I've been in for a while with all my college buddies. We kind of you know play for fun, bragging rights, all that. Life is good uh, when baseball's around because that means the warmer weather coming. Yeah. Which transitions me. Okay, so MVP, we're going with Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez and the Dodgers, all right? Yeah. Hello, ma'am. What happens in 157 days? Uh, is it the Indy 500? Close. No, not really. No, it's towards the end, May, June, July. In 157 days, right around the start, that you and this whole group and Kevin Connors behind the oh. camera will be going to? Training camp. Yes, but a couple of days before that, that's actually 161 days up by my math, 157 days till, and I love this time of year, and I want to talk to you about it. I don't know. Is it a track event? The Olympics oh, start. Oh, in yes, it Paris. is. Sorry. And so, was, no, don't be sorry. I was but like, not. I was like, uh, I, I'm thinking like pure. I was thinking hyper local. Yes. So I was like, okay, probably, I don't know if maybe 500 or something. You're like, right on I think it. Though, I saw, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right oh, on. gosh. So the yeah. Olympics. So with that being but said. Speaking of the U.S. indoor track and field championships, we were just last week in Albuquerque. Okay. They will have not only the Olympic Games, of course, outdoors, there will be a world indoor championships as well in just a few weeks coming up. Who so are you huge. covering every year when you go off? Is it Oregon or something? You, you went out and covered track and field? Events? Yeah. So. I went out uh, in consecutive years, so did not do last year, did the previous two years, because Eugene hosts, University of Oregon, Eugene, they have an 
incredible facility, um, kind of the mecca of track and field in the United States yeah. with all of the storied tradition and history that there is. But they hosted the World Championships and they hosted the Olympic Trials. So I did the Olympic Trials. Um, that was in 2021 because it was delayed, you know, with the pandemic, and then the World Championships. Wow. In so, so you're excited about it, right? Oh, yeah, Track very much. Track and field all across the board, men's and women's. How about you on this side? What's the Olympics that you're like, yeah, I'm in? Swimming. Nice. It's the only time I watch swimming, but, man, it is. like. So when I was in college, 2008 was the year that Michael Phelps had the, you know, he's like, you know, doing that oh, flex yeah. in front of the, you sit in the pool and all that, and that was like the coolest thing. To watch that in Beijing, where you'd wake up at eight o'clock in the morning yeah. and get jacked up watching swimming. So because of that, now it's like every four years, I'm so excited. Give me Rowdy Gaines on my TV, <laughs> getting excited about I swimming. Got to, okay, Rowdy I got I, quick Good. name drop. I got to work with Rowdy yeah. a couple of years ago. I did, about, I did yeah. some NCAA swimming for ESPN. One of not only the nicest possible human beings on the planet, but so knowledgeable and like. The way, I mean, I would say in terms of like, obviously there are analysts in other sports that get a lot more acclaim just because it's a higher profile sport. One of hands down the best analysts because of the insight and the knowledge that he gives, but in a very relatable way, he's absolutely incredible. It was so much fun. And I, I mean, like, like I, I feel like I also like every four years, I'm a swimming expert. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they had a really bad turn. <laughs> oh, that push off needed to be better. You got to stay underwater longer. And then the next 300 and 65 days for the next four years. I'm like, eh, you know. Well, 157 days till that kicks off. I'm here in Shikari Richardson. Is Shikari. Up Shikari, Shikari Richardson. Richardson. She's a phenom. Yeah. The US. And also She's, a Noah Lyles, yeah. who's a speed merchant. Yeah, Noah just won the 60 indoors, which is crazy because Noah was you know, a longer sprinter and has dropped down in distance because everybody wants to be known as the fastest man on the on world. Earth, in the yeah. world, yeah. So you know, guys who had previously run the 200s and the 400s, they're now all dropping out. Fred Curley is one of those guys. Guys. So now you have these guys who were longer sprinters dropping down in distance, and it's been phenomenal to see the range of some of these athletes. They're absolutely incredible. Yeah, Noah. I can't wait. And, and the funny thing is, we're up at camp up at Westfield. Yeah. The Olympics are on, so keep that in mind. You're going to have to weigh and, and juggle what's going on in Paris, maybe. Well, while, while the scrum's going on with head coach Shane Steichen, yeah. we're getting a hundred meter well, final or something. But pr the prime time for stuff in Paris will be taking place like mid afternoon. Right, right. So right. the big event might be you know middle middle of the afternoon so let, let's get some some morning practices in there you go up at grand park hey you Which is what we did last year yeah, yeah right it was a lot yeah. early yeah you didn't think you were going to get olympic talk and baseball talk here on the official colts podcast but you did i want to bring it back to football here's the deal franchise tag window opens today runs through march the 5th and a week from today we're going to be uh, taping at the indiana convention center down at the nfl combine a lot i can't of, believe it a lot of it's nfl coming at you colts.com has the latest don't forget to follow these to on Twitter X at JJ Stankovitz at Lara Overton. Okay, here we go. The unofficial kickoff for the, uh, of the offseason for all 32 teams at Combine going to be right in our backyard a month from now. The first wave of free agency will have come and gone. And two months from now, the NFL draft will be gearing up. So I have Q&A time for you two today. A lot of questions. I need answers out of you guys. I'm going to start off with the first thing. You guys go. Uh, by the way, last week, good in, a good interview you had with Trevor Sikama, uh, giving down the layoff of the NFL uh, offseason landscape. But today we're going to run through those, like, in my eyes, the most important questions 
but only for this time of year. Hopefully that makes yeah. sense. The, the stuff that we'll find answers to within the next two and a half months. It's pretty simple. With that tag opening up today, um, you know, and Michael Pittman, kind of a two-parter, the Colts needing to build around a rookie contract and then a phenomenal athlete in Anthony Richardson. Does when, when, when we talk about building around, are we talking about bringing back your own Michael Pittman? This is now the time with the franchise tag there. Are you talking about other assets around him as well? JJ, you first. So let, let's start with Pittman because we talked about the, the tag. So today, Tuesday, February 20th through 4 p.m. on March 5th, mm-hmm. you can place the franchise or the transition tag on players who are scheduled to become unrestricted free agents like Michael Pittman Jr. I have a whole explainer up on Colts.com because this is not a simple, like, right. yeah, you throw the tag on him and you're good. There are different tags, different kinds of franchise tags. Then there's the transition tag. Um, it, it's a complicated thing to go through that. But I think ultimately the question becomes, is Michael Pittman Jr. back on this team? And if he is, then it's how is he back on this team? Is he back on a tag? Is he back on an extension? Is he back on a tag that then becomes an extension? There's a lot that's going to go into it, but that feeds into how do you build around Anthony Richardson? And like you mentioned, Jeffrey, you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, which allows you more flexibility. That's something Chris Ballard said in January, that you have more flexibility in years past than you've had in years past because you've had veteran quarterback contracts, which cost you quite a bit of cap. Now you have a quarterback who doesn't cost you pretty much anything comparatively in cap. So how does that look in terms of building around Richardson? It starts with Pittman, and then it goes to tight ends, mm-hmm. other wide receivers, complementing him with running backs, uh, you know, backup quarterback, which we'll get into. But, Lara, I guess like when you look at the collection of weapons that are already here with this team, where do the Colts have strengths? I think that's kind of where you need to start identifying where this is going to go. Going back, though, to your point on the tag, the other thing is it's complicated with the tag. It's not a long-term solution. And one of the things you run the risk of with the franchise tag is you kind of look what Saquon Barkley and the Giants went through last year. And he, you know, didn't come in, I believe, did not do the voluntary workouts, Mm -hmm. came in later, all of that. So the thing that you kind of jeopardize if you go that route is, you know, that's not necessarily going to be an ideal solution really all around. So do you, to some degree, run the risk of Michael Pittman not being involved in the voluntary workouts, only doing maybe the veteran mini camp portion, which is certainly going to stifle any development with Anthony Richardson if you are limiting or if the time with those guys during the offseason does become limited, right? Those are kind of some of the, I would say, politics of sorts that are involved that complicate the use of the franchise tag just based on what we have seen with other high-profile, um, you know, very lucrative deals with other teams. Uh, just to play quick devil's advocate on that, because this is an interesting thing. Wasn't Pittman, didn't he not participate much in workouts last year because he was injured injured. same with josh downs who was injured so those are definitely important Mm -hmm. and they're they're you know you can't i don't want to underestimate and undersell Mm -hmm. the importance of them but you can develop that chemistry as like that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a deterrent necessarily uh in making this decision you you mentioned something about Barkley was on the tag then got a deal done right okay right so my question for us is that is 
Does Chris Ballard in the front office look at that as, hey, Michael, we're going to get something done. When I'm talking about Pittman Jr., we're going to get something done, but let's get you franchise tag, and we'll work on that extension. But does that bring him into the OTAs? Or if that tag is still out there, he's saying, hey, do what you got to do. I'm not going on the field until I get there. I'm talking about you mentioned a good point on that, saying not showing up for offseason work. And this is one of the key leaders yeah. of this team, which could hamper. I think the the question there becomes, like, does he sign the tag before – OTAs because when you 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 get the tag placed on mm-hmm. you and then it's not it's not a, it doesn't convert to a one-year contract right. that's fully guaranteed until you sign the tender so if he if you you try to work out an extension it doesn't happen he signs the tender you say we're still going to work out something with you then he probably would be you know participating but if he hasn't signed the tender by the start of the you know voluntary OTAs all the off-season program stuff that begins, I believe, mid-April. Um, then, yeah, you might see, you might not see Michael Pittman Jr. here. That's like, and that's by the way, that's like fairly typical for players who are on the tag to um, not show, to not show right. if they if they haven't worked on an extension yet. But we'll see. I mean, th- there's no guarantee here that the Colts are going to place anything on Michael Pittman Jr. because you can mm-hmm. work it out and you can, you know, okay, hey, we're maybe we're close. Let's not put the tag on him, or maybe. You know, maybe we aren't close, but maybe Let's you should not put the tag on him. Well, JJ, well, we open up that thing where you, you got, do. You got people out on the West Coast that are have you know million dollar bills Absolutely. in their hands. Are going like but, this, saying, "Hey, right. Michael, come but on, okay, come but on. but what if you're not close? Mm-hmm. This is this is what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson last year. It's a different position, mm-hmm. not necessarily the same, but they did put the franchise tag on him. But they said, "Go out and explore your market and figure out what's out there." And then he came back and he signed an extension. So sometimes when you do this. And you probably wouldn't do that with a franchise tag and a wide receiver because there aren't going to be teams that are going to give up two first-round picks. Right, right. That's, that's pretty rare. Um, that hasn't happened since 2000, by the way. Uh, with Joey With Joey Galloway going from the Seahawks to the Cowboys. Jeez, uh, but, but you Galloway. might – but sometimes – but then there, that's, that's what almost the transition tag is for is I, – I covered the Bears. They did this with Kyle Fuller yeah. where he was coming off a really good year in 2017 – they didn't want to put the franchise tag on him because that would have put him in a tier of salary up there with, like, at that point, Stephon Gilmore, uh, who was at top of the market cornerback money. So they used the transition tag. Kyle Fuller then signed an offer sheet with the Green Bay Packers that the Bears matched. Gotcha. The transition tag allows you to match an offer sheet. If you don't, you lose the guy with no compensation. But it's essentially a tool if you aren't close with that player on a contract. You could put the transition tag on him and say, you go find out what your market is, and then we'll match it. Want a good explanation? Go to Colts.com. Read this man's article on it. Lara, we talk about this fella a lot over the past six months and talked about the impact that he made in this building coming when Anthony Richardson wasn't available to come here and run OTAs. I'm talking about Gardner Minshew. Let's switch over right now. Are we Are we not in the market for a backup quarterback and – and weighing on this side, everything great that he did this year. Take us a couple of incompleted passes yeah. away from a playoff berth right. and, the, and the job that he did. Always trying to get better, though. These GMs talk about it a lot. Do they have their guy in Gardner Minshew, or are they looking around the league? I'm not sure that backup quarterbacks have been more valuable than they are currently mm-hmm. coming out of last season when you saw the number of different teams that were forced into situ- situations of starting backup quarterbacks or even their third-string quarterbacks at multiple points over the course of the season. I think Gardner certainly proved his value. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he explores you know, what is out there, if there's an opportunity for him to start somewhere. That's obviously what he wants. Um, but there's a, you know, there's 
a lot of intrigue for him to come back here as well. His rapport with Shane, he and Anthony and Sam Ellinger have a great dynamic in that quarterback room. Um, continuing to develop, to develop within this offense, I think my biggest curiosity is does Chris Ballard or do Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen look at this as is there someone of a backup quarterback stature that is more in line with the style of play of Anthony Richardson that would allow us to, if we go to a backup, maintain more similarities within the playbook and run primarily the same offense. Not going to be exactly the same offense because Anthony is so unique with his abilities, but is there a quarterback who has, you know, who a little bit is more in line with Anthony's traits and characteristics that you would plug into this system? Not sure that there is. I'm not making an argument necessarily to do that. I haven't really, you know, delved much into who was out there in the free agent market. I would love to see Gardner back. I certainly think that he has earned that opportunity. It would not surprise me either way. It wouldn't surprise me for Gardner to be re-signed. It also wouldn't surprise me if there is a team out there that looks at Gardner and says, hey, this guy gives us a chance to win. We want to bring him in to compete for the starting job. How how much difference, JJ, in your opinion, Larry's been making a great point there. Mm -hmm. How much difference is that playbook when you go and we saw it months ago, the great success that Gardner had after an injury to Anthony Richardson, and we were talking about this off air and in the office and everything, is it because he doesn't run the same style of offense, so therefore they're changing the play calls that fit the quarterback's needs, but this defense and this defensive coordinator is still locked in on defending Anthony Richardson, who can run like the wind and has an arm to throw it out of, out of the stadium. I mean, I think probably in those games where Anthony exited, which would be mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee and Houston, there's probably an element of that, of you're preparing for Anthony. And, I mean, the Houston game, the Colts, pretty much it felt like they already had it won yeah. by the time Anthony exited the game. Um, but you, I think what Shane did such a good job of this year was, okay, yeah, they're not going to run the same offense. Like, Gardner does not have the – he obviously does not have the running ability of Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson. You could argue very few do. He also doesn't have the arm strength. So but what are Gardner's strengths? Okay, he, he can get the ball out on time – the Colts just leaned into this RPO-heavy offense that they were already kind of going down that path with Anthony. But then it just became even more aggressive in terms of the RPOs with Gardner because that's what he did really well within that offense. So I, I, I totally get where Lair is coming from of like, do you want a quarterback who's maybe more in line with Anthony so you don't have to have such a huge shift and pivot if something happens? Having said that, Gardner and Shane Steichen have a great relationship to where Shane knows what to do with Gardner. So, okay, we, Gardner's in. All right, this is the offense we're going to run. We can pivot easily to this in a way that you're not going to be that easy if it's Gardner, if it's a different, if it's the same quarterback skill set as Gardner, but it's a different quarterback, mm. essentially, because you don't have those years of experience together. Um, to me, the question is, like, does Gardner get an opportunity to start somewhere? That's the question we're waiting for. Because if he if he does... Then gone, man. you got to take that. If you're given that opportunity right. as a quarterback, you got to go, hey, here's the ball, here's the playbook, the yeah. offense is the, yours, gone. There's not a quarterback in the NFL who's right. going to pass on an opportunity does that to happen? start. Does that happen, really? No. You don't think so? I, that, a, a bigger money offer I, than honestly, the Colts would to keep Gardner here, a bigger money offer for his skill set to come in. And I'm not talking about – how about half backup, half starter role if there is such a thing? Yeah, I mean, it, you could you could go to a team that could draft a quarterback, kind of like Gardner did this mm-hmm. year. Um, or you could go to a team where you're you're told, hey, we're gonna, we're not going to get a guy this year, but you're going to be our bridge guy. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I almost – I wouldn't want a quarterback who would just come back to be a backup. 
I want that guy to be competitive. I want the mentality that Gardner Minshew brought to this Colts locker room of, I may not be the starter, but I'm going to still act like I am. Yeah. I'm going to prepare like I am, and I'm going to be ready. I don't want the guy who comes in and is like almost surprised when they have to start. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, You don't want that guy on your team because that guy's not going to be a very good influence in the locker room. He's not, that, that's not... You want the mentality of, I want to start wherever I can go. Quickly looking at free agent quarterbacks on the market, yeah. 2024, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, then we get to Gardner, Teddy Bridgewater, who is obviously he's already retire. retired, yep. and he's going to go coach uh, his high school mm-hmm. team. There was that you know great shot that you saw of him after their last game but yeah that's kind of what you're looking at on the open market right now so of course a couple of those guys you know it'd be interesting to see what Kirk Cousins does not necessarily that that would be a situation here but you know kind of intriguing to see does he go back to the Vikings you know and could you also have a situation where if Gardner walks do you just elevate Sam Elgar to be back up another great question that's now a third fourth year around Mm -hmm. spent a draft pick on him for a reason right yeah is this a time that he develops into that guy hey if something goes down with our number one we got Mm -hmm. Sam there I think it's a perfect year for that a lot to be I mean so much to be told in this thing because you know damned if you do damned if you don't you want to let the young guy develop in some instances but then you got the veteran there that you know is going to be able to bring the ball down the field okay here we go. Uh, we, we've talked about the backup quarterback, about Anthony Richardson. We talked about Michael Pittman. Defensively speaking, are they adding to always looking for help? Is it in the back end? Is it, it or is it on the defensive line, or is it the secondary? I think that's kind of the question of where do those resources go. The Colts spent money to get Samson Ebicom here last mm-hmm. year. You're probably gonna, you know, if you want to retain Grover Stewart, you're gonna have to spend there as well. I'm, I'm kind of talking about outside of. If the Colts decide to retain Grove and right. Kenny, Julian, kind of where else do the resources go on that side of the ball? Is it defensive line? Do you fortify that group with another pass rusher, another defensive tackle? Or do you look at corner where the Colts intentionally went young but said, we want to develop the young guys? We want Jalen Jones to get playing time. We want Juju Brents to get playing time. We want Dallas Flowers to get playing time, which they did last year to different you know, varying extents. And do you then say, okay, maybe we need to go get a veteran corner in there. Maybe we know, need to go get a veteran safety in there where you got Nick Cross getting playing time. You got Ronnie Thomas getting playing time as well. That, that part of it's interesting. Like The Colts have the flexibility like we're talking about with Anthony Richardson. It extends the defense where you can have more flexibility to, to go spend resources on that side of the ball. Does that extend to we're going to pour more into the D-line, which we know Chris Ballard is a, a you went up front type of guy or is it kind of like the Colts did two years ago where they went and they got Stefan Gilmore and spent some resources on that in the offseason do you go look that way I don't know what the answer is but that's going to kind of be a really interesting thing to follow this offseason is where do those cap dollars and those draft picks go to me at some point you've got to invest or not even invest because you made the investment but you almost have to gamble on the guys that you drafted you've got to go all in with quitty and dio and those guys and now it's like this is the time this is where those guys See, that's funny because i thought you were going to say juju and jalen oh oh that's funny yeah (laughs) so you you could could go go both ways right you really could i'm just thinking in terms of typically the necessary development that you have especially 
as a pass rusher that usually takes a couple of years to transition Mm -hmm. and kind of translate from the college game, learning a new system in the NFL, learning that new scheme, and then having the type of success and impact that you do in the NFL. So to me, I think that this is you hedge your bets and you go all in with that Dio Quiddy, you know, kind of um, investment there, plus what you've done with Samson, the other guys who you have. I think that this is where those guys and, you know, whatever we see transpire, of course, with that defensive front and with that group, I think it will be heavily dependent on the effectiveness and the development of those two guys to me. I, I kind of feel like cornerback isn't as big of a need, though, as some people may think. Like, I, I every mock draft I see, oh, Colts need a cornerback, Colts need a cornerback. I don't know if it's like that red line of a need. I know everyone's, you know, you you can be scarred from what CJ Stroud did to the Colts. uh, Absolutely. But think about the flashes you saw from Juju Brents, where if he can, if he can stay healthy. And he he said after the season, his number one goal this offseason is figuring out how to be healthy and how to stay healthy for a full season. You saw some good things out of Jalen Jones. Can you win with those guys? Can you, you know, Dallas Flowers was showing some good things when he had the Achilles injury in week four, could you go into the season without being like, we need to like get way over our skis at cornerback, take a guy in the first round, get the top of the market free agent, and say, we're actually going to be pretty good at that position. It's to me, it all hinges on Kenny and yeah. what you do with his contract situation. Well, yeah, because you've got be, to be good in the slot especially in a division that has the Houston Texans now. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta have three corners on the field. You got to be a nickel quite a bit, and that's what Gus Bradley likes to play. Um, and, I mean, Kenny's also so important to the run defense. This, the way that he can play mm-hmm. is like kind of that third linebacker on the mm-hmm. field in addition to playing coverage. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you need to make sure that you've got that locked down, whether it's Kenny, someone else, um, before you start thinking about, do we need to lock down the outside? Right, and he said it a few years ago. I, I don't remember the exact year, but it was something along the lines of, "Hey, they're telling me it's free agency season. I'm signing free agents. They're in my own. They're in our mm-hmm. locker room. Right. Here. You know that mentality of of signing within. Okay. Scenario question, Lara. I'm going to start with you. A big splash. Does it need to be? Does it need to happen this year with this offense? And here's your your uh, your three uh, categories, if you okay. will. Big splash. Wide receiver, tight end. Draft, trade, free agency. If if that happens and it's a splash, mm-hmm. you're spending 15 on a wide receiver or a tight end. You're making a trade for a veteran wide receiver or a tight mm-hmm. end. For what I'm saying, I know I'm I'm, I'm kind of pigeonholing those two mm-hmm. those two positions. But if the if nothing happens along those lines, is it a surprise? If nothing happens in that department, yes. Between I, I trade, think if, I think if nothing happens, yes, because I think I think actually two of those three to me are are pretty likely. Do tell. I think that you can make a splash by re-signing Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. and I also think you can make a splash in the draft and use fifteen on an offensive playmaker. And, that, and when you say playmaker, let's just get this right: either a wide receiver, right? Either a tight end, yeah, right? Because you have running backs settled. Running like you, backs are although, settled. Yeah. Okay. Can well, you bring back Zach Moss? Well. I'm more saying the t- that the, I have that on the rundown. Yeah, the top, uh, right, the top running back. Yeah. Do you have that settled? That's my question. Well, it's it's the you have Outs- your top running back. You, you have paid your top Jonathan running back. Taylor. No question. Um, so you're probably not going to use 15 right, on a run. Right. That's more what sure. I'm getting. At. Okay. Sure. Like the the most valuable things you have in this offseason are pick 15 and the cap space, the effective mm-hmm. cap space you have available. How much of that those big time assets go toward 
a wide receiver or a tight end. And I threw tight end in there because you're just we're talking about pass catchers sure. here. Sure. Like this isn't just you know just a wide receiver, just a tight end. It's a pass catcher. Right. To whether it's a compliment to Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. whether it's a replacement to Michael Pittman, whether it's Michael Pittman and then someone else. Um, the one thing I will say is every draft podcast I've listened to has talked about how deep a year this is for wide receivers. This is one of those years where like, and, and we had Trevor Sikama on last week where he was talking about, you know, you kind of have those top three guys who are probably out of range for the Colts just based on, you know, reading tea leaves, which would be Marvin Harrison Jr., sorry, uh, Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze from Washington. Um, but then after that, you have a lot of guys who are talented who you could potentially say, we don't love any of these guys at 15, but we really like this guy in the second round, like the Colts did with Michael Pittman Jr. a couple years ago. Maybe that's the route you go. And I have heard from just various scouts over you know multiple seasons that they were, some have indicated that you know in that top 10, it's a pretty significant, that, that stature of the talent you're getting within the top 10, it, that is one big block of talent. Then basically from kind of that next tier, say 11 to 35, mm-hmm. it's pretty, com- it can be, depending on the year, pretty comparable. So you could get someone high in that second round, or it's not going to be a drastic difference, say, between 15 and 35 in terms right. of the caliber of talent that you're able to acquire at that position. The one thing here for Colts fans to maybe root for, how about quarterback stock rising in the draft? Like there are two, you know, oh, K- yeah. Caleb Williams and Drake may seem to be kind of the, you know, they'll go top three, uh, but, but Jaden right Daniels yeah. right there. And now there's this buzz about JJ McCarthy being mm-hmm. a top 12, 15 pick. The more quarterbacks that go yeah. off the board ahead of the Colts, the better, because then you might be looking at, shoot, we're sitting at 15, but we have this guy top 10 on our yeah. board, but we can still get him at 15. It doesn't matter what position he plays at that point. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a you say it's a corner or, uh, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. And he's available at 15. If you're like, ah, but we need to get a weapon for Anthony Richardson, but we, this guy's a top 10 cornerback. Right. We got to go take him. But this I'm guy's saying, a top 10 D lineman. We got to go take him. If you see that draft board, it kind of falls out like that. And all of a sudden, 10, 11, 12 is in there. And you're Chris Ballard and you're in the back there. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, our guy's going to be there. Why don't I just, if I can notch up two slots, yeah. three slots, I'll give him a little bit out of the cabinet, but I'll keep my first rounder on this one. We'll mm-hmm. move up. They get that. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. Everything's good. Obviously, that's in a perfect scenario. But there's so many of them out there. That's what I wanted to get to is, like, we're surprised between the draft, between trades, and between free agency if a wide receiver isn't in this building is what I'm coming to the consensus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if that doesn't happen and we don't run the football franchise, but, you know, obviously following along on that, it looks like that's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to be, you know, a veteran or they will spend a 15 on a guy that becomes available, like you said. It was the, you know, the Chris Ballard quote from January like mm-hmm. it's it's like gas if yeah. gas is four bucks a gallon you got to have it in your car yeah the wide receiver you, you know you got to have a wide receiver you got to have wide receivers on your team love it we've talked about the Olympics today we've yeah we've about, really we've talked about the NFL draft we're we've on talked the about gamut the major yeah. league baseball I haven't talked about food yet going to get to the NBA all-star weekend but I just kind of want to wrap up a little bit with this Colts off-season off-season talk because next week it's for real down at the combine how much does free agency tell us about the draft? Right. Obviously, it's an easy yeah. question. Say, hey, we sign this guy, then we don't need this guy in the draft. Not the case, though. We need depth. These NFL right. franchises need depth. That's even an offensive line and in the wide receiver room included. I think usually when you look at the first three rounds, um, you, you can say, okay, this team did this in free agency, so 
there's no bear like usually those first three rounds you're looking for contributors right off the bat like whether it's you know a guy who's going to start for you probably in the first round compete to start in the second round compete to start in the third round or be a contributor in the third round um you you don't want it like last year for instance the Colts signed Isaiah McKenzie mm-hmm. he's the only wide receiver move they made that did not preclude them from drafting Josh Downs and then having Josh Downs wind up competing and Great wind point. up taking in most of those snaps yeah. in the slot um that's usually kind of what i you know i mean by this is like you can sort of follow that path whereas you sign last year samson ebicom to that contract you've already invested quite a bit in quitty pay and dio dangbo through the draft and maybe we don't need a d end in the first couple rounds now having said that you're always going to say if there's a guy who's just sticking out on your board there are very few players in the nfl who are going to preclude you from drafting that guy like you are if you're the Los Angeles Rams five years ago, you're probably not taking a defensive a three tech defensive tackle in the first round because you have Aaron Donald. Right. But if you're the Los Angeles Rams now, okay, yeah, maybe we'll take a D tackle because we think that guy could be Aaron Donald's replacement. Right. In a couple Those, of years, I'm yeah. more just saying like it's easy to see with quarterbacks, right? Like the Chiefs are not taking a quarterback in the first round. The Ravens are not taking a quarterback in the first round. But there are teams that you know you look at how contracts are structured and uh, the, the moves that you make in free agency, those usually give you a bit of a roadmap of what teams might be thinking about when it comes to April. Hey, Lara, uh, a position close to your heart, because I know you love those guys in that room, but the tight end position. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen with these? There is a lot. And I mean a lot of talent in yeah. that room right now. And that, you know, we can go over those names, but I'm telling you, you know, we didn't get Woods last year, and now he's coming back this year with right. that big talent, that big target. We don't know what's going on with Ogletree. Got a feeling, though, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the Will Mallory's coming on here. Yeah. Obviously, the veteran, what we're talking about. Uh, between Mo Alley Cox, between Kylan Granson, the veterans, and, you know, what we're seeing of the young guys coming out, specifically Woods, if he's that healthy. Do they need to make a splash? There's, yeah. there's great tight ends over this up, upcoming NFL draft as well. Well, I'm really intrigued by what Tom Mann will do with a second year with that group. I thought last year his impact on the tight ends was evident in what he was able to do with that group and some of the development you saw. And then also just Shane's implementation of more of those guys um, as well, utilization of them more so in the passing game. I thought Mo had a huge year developing, especially as a blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was fun to see, you know, Kylan used in a couple of different ways. You saw some kind of trick play scenarios. You saw how they got kind of creative uh, in the ways you could utilize him more so. It's like you don't have that one dominant guy. You've got a lot of good guys who are um, who are very well complements to one another. Now it's almost time that somebody kind of has to step in and, and take over and be the go-to guy, be that end zone threat. You know that you did see flashes of Jelani in his rookie season. If it's kind of like you know you talked about with, with Juju, this big thing is got to learn how to stay healthy. Right. That's what Jelani has to do. And, you know, we've seen him around the building, putting in a ton of work, all of those things. Now it's kind of time to prove it. And I think that this off-season period, as guys get back in the building later in the spring and all of that, will be really indicative of what you have within that group and if you need to fortify that group in some way. Wow. Will Mallory. 
Will Mallory, just yeah. a few plays in the back of my head from last season. Oh, my gosh. Last season yeah. that I was like, and he's just a quiet young man, a very personable guy, obviously, but just showed up, had some huge plays. And I'm thinking, Colts have a good problem in that in that tight end room right now, in my opinion. And the funny thing is, there's, you know, an all-end, all-end, do-all, guy who does everything tight end that will remain nameless that's in the upcoming draft. It's yeah. like, it's like, with all that talent they have right now, J.J., could you see something like that? Could you see if their guy well, showed like, up at 15, they said, hey, the best player available or whatever it is, but could could Ballard add another tight well, end to this room? It, but it's like what you know, Larry was just talking about, that all those guys, they've shown flashes, mm-hmm. right? We've seen Granson, Mallory, Moe, uh, you know, Jelani in 2022. We've seen all those, all those guys flash. We haven't seen it consistently. And you look at the four team. we talked about this on a previous pod, but the four teams that were in the conference championships – they all had kind of that guy at tight end. Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey, um, George Kittle. The, those are kind of, but mm-hmm. those guys were all taken in the second, third, fourth, mm-hmm. fifth rounds, which is what the Colts have done. The Colts have tried to follow that where tight end development usually takes a couple of years. It's rare to see a Sam Laporta come in and have, you know, the season he had. Usually it's one, two, three, four, five years into a guy's career. Think back to Jack Doyle, undrafted right. guy. Yeah. You signed off the Titans practice yeah. squad, yeah. and look Good what goal. he became, right. you know? I mean, it, so you need to give tight ends time to develop, but it also has kind of been shown that you don't need to get that guy in the first round. There are guys who, you know, TJ Hawkinson's a pretty good example of someone who was taken in the first round has been successful, but it also took him two, three, four years to really reach the level that he's at now as one of the best tight ends in the NFL. So you you need to give them time. um, And sometimes you can find those guys like, you know, in the fifth round, like where George Kittle was drafted. Right. Lara, in this whole thing, any positions I haven't talked about, we haven't talked about here that you might be surprised at if a higher draft pick comes from a second, Mm. third, fourth, uh, as far as – but it's a loaded question because we don't know what's going on with free agency. Yeah. Well, it's so far down the road, but, you know. So this is why you brought up Zach Moss, and I wanted to throw it back Mm -hmm. to Zach Moss, is probably not in the first round, but what if you're looking in the second round and there's a guy who's an explosive playmaker, like, uh, you know – not saying this guy's available. I, I haven't looked at literally any running back, except I know Frank Gore Jr.'s. Frank Gore's kid is in the NFL draft this year. That's all I know. Um, what if you like you looked at it and you were like, this guy's Jameer Gibbs, oh. and we're sitting here in the second round. Wouldn't you think about taking him? It's not like he's going to you know, impinge on Jonathan Taylor's right. productivity, and you know, he, maybe he takes a couple touches away. Maybe that's not a, a bad, bad thing. Bad thing, right. Um, what, if, what if there's like that type of a weapon? I mean, like, even, like, you know, what, 2018, Naheem Hines? Mm -hmm. Like, that type of guy, where it's a different skill set than the running back you already have in, but a guy who you can envision being a playmaking weapon within your offense. That, I think, is something that is absolutely a a thing the Colts would consider. Playmakers always are, come this way. So just because the Colts don't use a (laughs) first-round pick on a running back doesn't necessarily mean that they won't use a day-two pick or a high-day-three pick on a running back. Any, uh, boy, I hope I don't get in trouble for going over this. What are we talking about with our special teams department right now, specifically when we're talking about Rigoberto? Yeah, he's a free agent. So mm-hmm. that's another one of those, you know, do you re-sign your own type yeah. of situation, you know? And he has spent his entire career here, obviously coming back off the injury last year, and you saw him just get progressively stronger. He got a lot better. Over the course yeah. of the year um, with that Achilles tear that Cancer he had. Cancer survivor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Matt Gay, you have locked up... Uh, Luke Rhodes, I think, is pretty set 
Uh, but it's really just kind of what's the situation with Rigo and, you know, what price can you get him back on? Right. That's well, and, and the other, you know, the, the thing that is the most boring thing to talk about every offseason but is one of the most important is how do you fill out your special team's depth chart? Where does that come from? Does it come from, you know, a, a bunch of draft picks? Does it come from undrafted free agents? Does it come from veteran free agents? Um, that's something that, again, no one really cares to talk about. Uh, in terms of like, you know, we're talking about should the Colts get Michael Pittman on the tag or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but what about your, you know, what about that like fifth guy on special teams? Right, right. Um, but that has been an important thing that the Colts have had over the years and is something else that as you go through the draft, there's kind of that point in the draft where guys go from this guy's going to be a contributor on offense or defense to this guy's going to be a special teams guy. Um, and even like <laughs> you, you hear like Chris Ballard talk about Daniel Scott, the yeah. fifth round safety who tore his mm-hmm. ACL uh, in uh, the off season, you, t- you hear him talk about you know Daniel Scott. Like hey, that guy was going to be a special teams contributor, but he could have played a little on defense. Like there's always that one guy who's like the 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 front office and the scouting staff love is like this guy's a core special teamer from the day he walks on the field. But that's not something that you're asking a lot of questions about at this point in the offseason. For sure. So much answers, so many answers, rather, that are going to be uh, – we're going to have so many answers, rather, after talking to, um, you know, these these young men that are coming out in the upcoming draft because next week is at the NFL Combine and, and what we're going to get there. I'm going to ask you to, and then I'm going to venture off of football. One last question. What do you personally want to accomplish at this year's NFL Combine? I want to – Pick the brains of some other, and I love doing this every year, but you pick the brains of other beat writers who are there. Uh, guys I know, you know, women I know who cover certain teams around the league. Just, hey, what, what is this? What, what are you thinking? Like, you, you kind of get information that way to kind of set you up um, for whatever may come a couple weeks down the road. Sure. Uh, you know, is, is this team going to keep this guy? You know, what, do, what does your team think about this player? Could this player be available in a trade? Just like stuff like that. You hear a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'll be, you know, probably making some poor late night decisions going out uh, with my, you know, my sure friends at the combine. Um, nothing too crazy, but you know, like last year I saw Von Miller at like one a.m. at the uh, JW Marriott bar. Uh, high velocity. Yeah, uh, not high velocity. Oh, the no? classier <laughs> oh. bar in the JW. I like the high velocity. I love high velocity. Yeah, yeah. That's Hello. a time. Other than high um, velocity and JW, um, right. you're, you're going to be hustling all week. What do we yeah, got? Yeah, I am looking forward to sitting down with some of the national media and just getting their perspectives on the job that Shane did this last year, what they're looking forward to from him um, going into a second season, uh, maybe their questions surrounding Anthony Richardson and you know what they're wanting to see from him as guys come back in the building when you get into that critical period of you know OTAs and mini camp and you know the outlook for him. And then I think overall, too, Two, what's the perspective on the AFC South going into mm-hmm. 2024? Right? Like, what a wild division with where Houston No quarterbacks finished. one year, and then, then right, the next year right. is the Worst way, division in yeah. the league one the year. Way, to, the way Houston went into the playoffs, the way Jacksonville went you know, out of the playoffs, uh, what happens in Tennessee, so many things there, new head coach, you know, what are they doing with their quarterback situation, Tannehill's on the market, are they, you know, rolling with Will Levis from here on out, Um, so I think that those are all intriguing things too, because we are all so looking intrinsically here, right, and and internally at what's happening, but it's also, man, how do we stack up against the rest of the division, Mm -hmm. and then what's the rest of the AFC look like, obviously, you know, the Chiefs are, are on this dynasty run right now, you know, how is everyone else positioning themselves to challenge? 
That'll be a great day. Hey, I'm going to be pulling as many people, and I'm going to be bothering you two down there. Mm-hmm. We're going to be pulling people, trying to get them on podcasts. That's the funnest part I like about it. That, and I will have one of those four days that I'm down there, a Shapiro's Deli visit. Okay. Ooh, I, I love that. Down there, yep. And I might have to grab you guys one. Yes. I will. If we don't talk. I've never had Shapiro's. Oh, it's Oh, wonderful. you're Absolutely. Never had wonderful. it. Wonderful. Let's uh, change that next a week. A staple, as far as I, I'm concerned, as far as delis in Indianapolis, the best is Shapiro. Speaking of the best, we had an NBA All-Star weekend wow. recently. I'm going to start with you. You went, if memory serves, you went on Saturday night to All-Star Saturday night yep. at Lucas Oil Stadium. Tell me about it. Um, the court was really cool. Yeah. Oh, it looked amazing. So I was, I, was up, and- I was up in the 500 level. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tickets, I, you know, the tickets were given to me. Um, so I'm not going to be like, oh, hey. so high up. It was great. Um, the three-point contest was awesome. The skills competition was better than I thought, but the Steph for Sabrina. Yeah, that was fun. That was the best one. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and, I mean, Sabrina Ionescu put up a score that would have tied Damian <laughs> Lillard to win the actual three-point contest. Right. It just so happened that Steph Curry, you know, he's and like what that like drama of like, Steph misses a couple, then he gets on a hot streak, and then he misses one, and then he hits one from the, uh, you know, lemon-lime cola range right, or whatever right, right. it is, uh, and then, like, that was fun. The dunk contest was super lame. It was. That was bad. And and the 200 points that they scored and stuff, and absolutely no defense, and then, yeah, like, I, I, like I heard you sing- talking about Carl Anthony Towns scoring 50 points in an All-Star yeah. game and not getting the MVP and stuff like but that. But how it's exciting like, was Tyrese Halliburton when he was, was just draining him? Yeah. He and scored like 15 points in like I watched none of like the game last race. night, so that was and, just And me. when oh they God. won the team competition, all that, and yes. that you went. That was fun. That was awesome because they guaranteed it. I tweeted uh, during the the skills competition yeah. that I didn't expect to be Hooten and Hollerin during and the uh, the team that skills competition. That was fun. Hey, we got blanketed by snow and everybody was coming Woo. in, but then you know by Sunday it was fifty degrees out. So by the way, typical Indiana weather. N- but you know, not many other cities put on big events like the city of Indianapolis. Let's go, and as well as the city of Indianapolis does. I th- this was surprising to me. We built in uh, like a probably thirty minutes of extra time for an Uber to the sure, stadium on sure. Saturday. And we got right down there. We got dropped off a block from the stadium, walked in. Oh, that was great. That was easy. That was incredible. Perfect. That's like, the way they wow, do it. That, that was well Super done. Bowl. Yeah. All right, Colts, uh, you know, like I said, next week at the Combine, we're going to be down there. Colts, we're going to have a bunch of people covering stuff, that little mini radio row there they do, which is a lot of fun seeing familiar faces. We're coming at you next week from down there. The official Colts podcast today brought to you by our friend Kevin Connor, who is behind the camera today. We wanted to wish him a thank you very much. Guys, I can't wait to find out about that because uh, this isn't very the uh, the low doldrums of the NFL season, though we're calling it that, because it is so, I mean, once you get into Lalu, Lucas Oil Stadium next week and, and on that Monday morning walking into that thing, you know it's on. You know it's like you're counting down days till Westfield till training mm-hmm. camp starts. So that's what I'm excited about. So anyway, guys, I know we're going to be busy. I appreciate the time today. Kevin, thank you for your help. Thanks for watching. Colts.com has all of the information that you need on this upcoming combine as well as the, the dates that you need, free agency and such. Obviously, we're talking about the Colts players and watching the latest with Michael Pittman Jr. included in that group. So I 
I'm excited, guys. I appreciate you sitting down and talking, and I will bring you a Shapiro's uh, deli sandwich. Yeah, I don't know, what, do it. don't know what day I'm going down, but it's going to happen. Anything before we close out here? No, no I just, um, no cheese on mine. No cheese on the Stankovitz deli sandwich yeah. for Lara Overton, for JJ Stankovitz. <laughs> this is the official Colts podcast, and again, find all the info you need on Colts.com and, of course, the Colts audio network. You can find what you need on Colts.com as usual. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next week from downtown at the Combine.